are live. That's exciting. So welcome to the Alberta Prosperity Project's weekly webinar. Uh, for those of you that are just logging in for the very first time, we usually do this on a Wednesday. It happens to be a Monday, but that's because we wanted to get our guest uh, for his full attention. And uh, this was about the only time. You're, you're such a busy guy. Uh, but a couple of quick notes before we get into that uh, and introducing our guest. Uh, the Alberta Prosperity Project, also known as APP, is a not-for-profit, non-partisan educational society uniting all Albertans, businesses, and organizations to protect their prosperity, interests, individual freedoms, rights, and self-determination by enabling Alberta to chart a new path forward. The path to prosperity and freedom is through independence within or without Canada. That's the APP stance on that. So what I'd like to do at the beginning, before we even, again, even talk about ourselves, um, we're actually launching a contest. There's a reason why this is going live. We want you guys to ask questions uh, of, uh, of our guests, as well as we want you guys to share this. So if you're on Facebook and you want to share this, um, we ask that you share it and you also put in the hashtag of APP Epstein. So it's A-P-P-E-P-S-T-E-I-N. And why would you want to do that? Well, because we're giving away three pairs of tickets for uh, the, uh, the guest of honor here. APP has invited our guest, Alex Epstein, uh, on Friday, October 28th at the Weston Calgary Airport. And uh, I believe those tickets are $50 a piece. And so if you can uh, share that, you get a chance to win um, tickets for that and uh, three pairs of tickets and the draw will take place on thursday october 20th at 6 p.m and we're actually doing the deadline for sharing it sharing this uh webinar is noon on thursday october 20th that way we have enough time to compile because we need that amount of time it's uh we're expecting a lot of people a lot of people uh logging in sharing so so for those of you who don't know who I am, my name is Carrie Lambert, and the reason I'm involved with uh, the APP is uh, it's a long, drawn-out story, but essentially I was the owner of a place called Outlaws Tap House and Bar in, uh, in Calgary, and um, when COVID hit, we were open, we were closed, we had plexiglass on, we did the masking, and there was a point in time when we decided that, no, you know what, there's uh, this masking thing, we just we just don't understand it. We want to know the science of it. And at that time, patrons could come into the restaurant and, uh, and not wear masks, but staff had to. And we actually had three staff members that needed to wear masks, and they were either not working or relegated into the back. And so we took a stand on that and uh, said, no, show us the science. And it didn't take long for Alberta Health Services to come in and uh, issue us warnings and closure notices. Uh, they forced the government on us uh, and uh, even the city of Calgary. And so we basically were shut down. So uh, during that time, I became very close friends with uh, a guy you may have heard of. His name is Chris Scott, and it's Whistlestop Cafe in beautiful Mir, Alberta. And uh, we basically decided that uh, we were going to try and uh, advocate for uh, asking why these mandates were in place, why these restrictions were in place. We ended up going out on this. Uh, you may have heard of it. There was a the bunch of trucks that went out to Ottawa in February. I think it was called the Canadian Convoy, something like that. Not really sure. And after that, we, uh, we ended up doing a thing called the Chris and Carrie Show, where we do a weekly podcast uh, and we talk about topics that are 
very close to people's hearts and uh, and Albertans, and especially in this sort of a, a situation where we'll be talking with our absolutely amazing guest. So at this time, I'd like to introduce him. He is Alex Epstein. He is an author. He's a commentator. He's a philosopher. He advocates for fossil fuels. He's a founder and president of the Center for Industrial Progress in San Diego, I believe. He's the author of The Moral Case for Fossil Fuels, and Fossil Future is the new book, Fossil Future, Why Global Human Flourishing Requires More Oil, Coal, and Natural Gas, Not Less. So, APP has invited you, Alex, to speak on Friday, October 28th at the Westin Calgary Airport. And the number one question we've been getting, believe it or not, is who is Alex Epstein and why did they invite you? So let's let's hear what you got to say. <laughs> well, you'd have to ask them why they, uh, why they invited me. Yeah, um, yeah I mean, I, I think I'm I'm somebody who thinks about energy in a way that's different from what mm-hmm. we're told, okay. but in a way that is very very hard to argue with, as mm-hmm. evidenced by the last 15 years. I, I've made these arguments, which I'll, I'll talk about, and persuaded a lot of people. And other people have tried to debate me when I can actually get them to debate, which is very hard. And that usually hasn't gone very well for them. And then the people who ch- try to challenge me in print usually just resort to, you know, ad hominems or straw men or this this kind of thing. Yeah. I think the, the basic idea is that when we're evaluating what to do about energy and in particular fossil fuels, we need to carefully weigh both the benefits and the side effects of fossil fuels. And the the usual approach is to just look at negative side effects of fossil fuels and often I would argue uh, wildly exaggerate them, Mm -hmm. but then ignore the positives. And and I think you see in the world today, the terrible consequences of that because we basically have a world that has been engaged in fossil fuel benefit denial Mm-hmm. For the last 15 years. And so we what we've done, and Canada should know this better than anyone, we've artificially restricted our ability to supply fossil fuel to the world. Mm-hmm. But demand for fossil fuel is still growing. And what that means is rising prices of energy, mm-hmm. which means rising prices of everything produced using energy, which means rising prices of everything. So this is a very preventable crisis. Canada could have surely played a much bigger role in empowering the world right now. Um, yeah. You know, meeting the post-pandemic increase in demand and providing the world, you know, extra energy when there are issues with Russia. Uh, but we have gutted our capability. And I believe, you know, one of the roots of it is this fossil fuel benefit denial. And, and I think Canada is, you know, one of the top five exhibits in the world of this irrational approach. That's right. Yeah. The uh, one of the comments that uh, I had seen was uh, basically without fuels, mankind, or if you want to throw it out to what our uh, amazing um, prime minister happens to say, people kind. Without fossil fuels, mankind would have, wouldn't have the standard of living that they currently do. And that's a big understatement. (laughs) Can you imagine like what else would we be burning wood? And, and I'm not even sure what else we would be able to do because everything is made from fossil fuels. Everything's made from plastic. Everything's made from, um, you want to you want to make any comments on that? Just yeah, I mean, you know, we had. It's very important to recognize how bad life was pre fossil fuels for the yeah. average person, yeah, and how bad life is for the average person around the world who lives in what I call the unempowered world. So these are places yeah. that use 
very little energy. And it's, it's notable that there's nowhere in the world that doesn't use fossil fuels that is, is prosperous. The closest we have is Iceland. Yeah. Uh, Iceland has very special topography. So they have a lot of hydro and a lot of geothermal that's economic, which usually isn't the case. Yeah. They have a lot of heat close to the surface. Mm-hmm. Uh, but even they use a, you know, a ton of oil and then fossil fuels are involved in making all their stuff. But you know, in general, the world is 80% fossil fueled. Mm-hmm. And we have to, unless you're just a conspiracy believer, you have to recognize that everyone in the world is using fossil fuels because there's something uniquely cost-effective about this source of energy. And no other industry besides the fossil fuel industry can provide energy that's at once affordable, mm-hmm. reliable, versatile, meaning it can power every type of machine, every fulfill every need for energy, not yeah. just electricity, yeah. and then scalable, able to provide energy to billions of people in thousands of places. And, and this is part of the fossil fuel benefit denial is people think, oh yeah, we don't need fossil fuels. We'll just do it with something else. But yeah. if again, if you're not a conspiracy believer, then you have to recognize, well, there might be a reason why everyone is using this, even places like Japan mm-hmm. that would rather not import fossil fuels, but yeah. they're, they're, they're very special properties. And if you, if you try to get rid of something without yeah. a viable replacement in a world that needs far more of it, the world needs far more energy, you're going to cause a disaster. And that's exactly what we're in the process of witnessing. Yeah. So, and I've got a whole list of questions here and I know people will probably be asking questions as well. I guess I should actually open up my, uh, my question and answers here. And, um, but so you're coming here and uh, do you have, a, uh, you're obviously the keynote speakers. Do you have a, uh, a speech prepared for specific to Alberta? Why would people want to come out and listen to you is kind of what I'm, uh, what I would you like mean, to say. You mean versus watching me on YouTube? <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, it's not a bad idea to watch me on YouTube. So yeah. I, I encourage people to do that. And I think there's, you know, being in person, Yeah. I mean, I think this is something people experience, particularly in Canada, you know, during COVID lockdowns. Yeah. Is there something very enjoyable about being in person, being around other people, connecting that way, you know, versus even the way we're connected now, which is great that we we can do that. I couldn't fly up to you right now. That's right. Yeah. As good as the food is, it wouldn't make (laughs) uh, it wouldn't make sense for me to do that. But yes, I think if, if people like live events, and then there will be the opportunity for people to ask questions. And yeah, I will I will make some specific remarks about the situation in Alberta and Canada more broadly. I think you guys are unfortunately leaders in a bad way because mm-hmm. you have such a special opportunity with the oil sands. I mean, the oil sands are, are special yeah. in many ways. They're just they're so massive. And yeah. they're, they're technologically challenging to access, but but that technology is developed amazingly well. I mean, you basically just, it's kind of like coal. It's yeah. just sitting there. Mm-hmm. But a lot of oil is really hard to find. And so they just have this unbelievable deposit sitting there. And really all you need to do is free people to access it. And then crucially free people to transport it uh, yeah. across the country and outside the country. And you've basically decided, no, let's not let, let's not transport it anywhere. Yeah, that's and, and it's really the, I mean, really an unbelievable act of self-destruction. Yeah. And it's, it's you know, the world would be so much better and certainly Canada would be so much better with a very pro-fossil fuel attitude. Yeah, absolutely. The the government has, has policied us to death on certain things. And this is definitely one thing, like, like you said, we've got all that oil there, but we can get it. But then where do we do with it? It's got to go somewhere. It's got to get refined. It's got to come back to us. And that infrastructure, they're just not allowing us to do that. 
and, and, the, and, and you know, you've just seen, you know, all these different pipelines and things. Yeah. It's just because uh, I, I know a lot of people in industry and I've interacted with them over the years. And I started visiting Calgary back in 2013. So nine yeah. over nine years ago now. Yeah. yeah. And it's just so sad to see these different projects come and go and just yeah. to know how much it would improve life there, how much yeah. it would improve life around the world. And it, it, I think it particularly shows the weird motives of this movement because their whole banner is global warming. Canada yes. is one of, if not the coldest countries <laughs> in the world. Yeah. And what you have to worry about much more is not having heat in yes. the winter. There's a situation in Europe as well. Like they're yeah. afraid of global warming, but really they're afraid of winter. Yeah. So they're just, it shows that people are not thinking of climate in a realistic and human centered way. My, <clears> my contention is, the obsession with climate is based on the primitive religious belief that it's bad to impact yeah. climate. Not that our impact is so adverse because the world is too cold for most people. One, two, three degrees of warming Anyways, are not yeah. going to make it worse. Are yeah. not going to make the world terrible, but people yeah. just think it's morally wrong. And I think that's why, you know, Canada shows this. Obviously, how is global warming going to be bad for Canada? But mm. you're shutting down the whole country because yeah. of it. That shows it's it's yeah. it's a religion. It's not at all scientific yeah. enterprise and and the, the the products that are made from oil and gas and 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 basically coal that would fire uh, uh electrical generators and and all that kind of stuff with that technology we'd be able to conquer whatever climate change happened to be if we rose by a couple of degrees or we lowered by a couple of degrees we'd be able to do something with that and we are we are now so one yeah. of the statistics i've popularized i mean i didn't make it up i just discovered it but no one was talking about it mm -hmm. is that the rate of climate disaster death has declined 98% yeah. over the last century and i call this phenomenon climate mastery we can take yeah. the enormous natural amount of climate danger yeah. and we can overwhelmingly neutralize it which means if we can do that then any climate dangers we add we can also neutralize. And we, we've been emitting CO2 for 170 years mm -hmm. and life has overall gotten much, much better yeah. with one degree of warming. And yet people think another half degree or degree is going to be the apocalypse. And again, this yeah. is why it's it's really a religious idea because yeah. there's no science that would say, oh yeah, one degree has been amazing with all the energy and with a little warming, but one and a half degrees, oh yeah, everyone's going to die. This, this makes no sense and there's no evidence of it. Yeah, that's true. So here, here's a, a bunch of terms that you've heard before, and and I'm going to group them all together, and maybe we can just have a quick discussion on this. Okay. So net zero, uh, carbon footprint, carbon neutrality, carbon capture, carbon credits, um, they all seem to be kind of the same thing, right? And uh, in in terms of uh, the big big government and uh and corporations they're trying to uh basically tell us that whatever they they're currently doing right now they need to um uh to basically you know um kind of make it so that uh life is is <laughs> much better in the end i guess and uh well, i would say I wouldn't say better. I mean, I think it shows. So, so the commonality there is carbon, yes, but, and the, the elimination of carbon. And I think particularly the first term, net zero, because yes. that means net zero carbon dioxide yeah. by 2050. That's the usual meaning of it. Yeah. What this shows is that the the primary moral goal the world has settled on uh, completely irrationally, in my view, yeah. is that we should eliminate our CO2 emissions 
at all costs. Because notice the world is not saying, hey, let's enrich 8 billion people by 2050, right? Mm -hmm. They're not saying that. They're not saying, hey, let's empower 8 billion people so everyone has available energy that you know, they can afford and use. They're saying, above all, no, let's eliminate our CO2 emissions at all costs. And that's what you see, you know, that Canada is being guided by that too. It's not about empowering the Canadian people, enriching mm -hmm. them. It's about pursuing this one goal yeah. at the expense of everything else. And really for the reasons we've discussed, it makes no sense at all to say our number one priority is to get rid of our emissions of this molecule, no matter yeah. what adverse effects on human life. Yeah, yeah. Have you heard about the uh, uh, how corporations are going to be doing their carbon credits? And uh, so, you know, yes. company A is, you know, they need 10,000 credits or they're over 10,000 credits and then company B will be buying their 10,000 credits. Do you know anything about that or can you comment yes. on any of that? Yes. So the, the basic thing that's going on, I mean, the, the credits thing can be legitimate okay. with with real pollution. So what, mm -hmm. what you can say is, for example, let's just say you, you vaguely know like X amount of sulfur dioxide in the atmosphere is harmful. And then below that, you know, it's okay. Let's say you have a threshold and it's like legitimate for people to say, okay, like we would rather keep the level below this. Mm -hmm. And so we're going to find the major sources and, you know, you can in sort of some people will need, or the way it works is like some people, it's more crucial for them to be able to emit that and other people can efficiently not do it. And so that's a legitimate kind of thing. But here, what the goal is, is you're trying to eliminate CO2 emissions rapidly. And that is not something you can do without mass destruction, because there is no cost-effective way to produce energy at a large scale without a lot of CO2 emissions. And so what's happening then is all of these schemes are just impoverishing us in one way or another, because the, the threshold at which they would set the carbon credits to be meaningful from their perspective is impoverishing from our perspective. No. The other thing is there's a huge amount of fraud uh, that goes on. The, the key thing to recognize with CO2 emissions is there is no scalable way of reducing CO2 emissions without causing human suffering. So you could, you could for example, you say, I'm gonna plant some trees and that'll yeah. offset my footprint. Yeah. But there, you cannot plant enough trees in the world to offset most people's footprint. So what happens is some people just hoard the carbon offsets, and it's usually the wealthier people. So mm -hmm. they just virtue signal by saying, oh, I, I bought up the first offsets at this price, and then other people can't do it. And look, why don't you all act like me? Well, the point is we can't all act like you. Wow. What about, um, you know, we're, <laughs> you're talking about um, the rich buying credits or anything like that. Um, what would be, could you apply that same philosophy to individuals? Like I'm, I'm kind of curious as whether or not this could end up spilling over into sort of a, uh, a social credit system kind of thing. Yeah, where, it, it or, is. Yeah. This is, this is, this is the dream. So it's so in general, yeah. it's important to understand why do so many power hungry people love this issue? Yeah. And the reason is because it, it gives them universal control over human beings because everyone emits CO2. That's right. So we don't have time to go into COVID and where I agree with you guys <laughs> or I might disagree. Yeah. But I would say that part of the appeal to people of, a, the, I'd say the badly motivated people of a virus was mm -hmm. the idea that everyone could possibly carry it. And mm -hmm. so then we have the right to control everyone. And my basic belief is you should have innocent until proven guilty. So if somebody actually provably has a virus, you can tell them to quarantine, but you cannot tell everyone to quarantine indefinitely because they might have a virus, but that, that's a, that functions as universal control. 
And with CO2, it's, you know, everyone is emitting it. So the power lusters want control over that. And you have, you've seen, you see clips come out of people saying, yeah, we'll, we'll calculate this. And for example, I, I make a lot of flights on Google and now they calculate the amount of CO2 emissions, right? Per flight. And they're like, you're over the average, you're under the average. And it's just obvious that this is going to be followed by more people. Yes. That people will be that companies will be complicit. And at some point, you know, you'll go to if this doesn't stop and we should stop it, you know, you go to a restaurant and they'll say, No, 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 this meat, you're above your carbon, you know, you're above your carbon budget That's for right. the month. But they're really gonna say that, you know, to your fertilizers, the fertilizer factories and the farms. And that's what's really going to harm us. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, because uh, I was just going to make the comment that our prime minister has taken like 20 flights in the last month. And I haven't even been on a plane in the last, well, a jet plane. I've been but on. But he, he um, it, it makes sense because yeah. his, 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 he won't admit this, but his rationale is if I fly enough to oppose fossil fuels, I'll prevent far more people from flying oh, yes, than yeah. I have flown. And which that if is- you extend that, it really means these people prevent more emissions than they cause, which yeah. really means they just kill a lot of people yeah. and ruin their lives. That's what it means to stop yeah. people from emitting. Yeah, yeah, that's true too. Um, I, um, I know there were a couple of questions that were sent in here. Um, I'm not sure whether or not I can even answer some of these things. I'm actually, I don't see the Facebook uh, feed, so um, I'll have to see if... Uh, Behind the scenes can probably at least maybe send me a chat of uh, maybe some of the questions that have been asked. Let's just see if I've got something here. Um, no, not really. So um, more about uh, uh, climate change and how um, in your book, uh, Possible Future. Do you want to do you want to mention anything about uh, you know we we briefly just talked on uh, the delicate nature of uh, of um, of uh of how how people uh people are basically thought of as uh we're we're the ones that are causing uh global destruction because we're heating stuff up we're almost making it as though we're the we're in charge of the climate right and then it's not the world isn't in, in we're just we just happen to be things that are living on the planet right um well, in terms of yeah, I think there's there's a broader view, which I talk about in chapter three of Fossil Future of humans, which yes. I call the parasite polluter view. Yeah. Yeah. So this is the idea that our essential nature is we take stuff from Earth yeah. and then we screw stuff up on okay. Earth. And, and you can see this underlying the many false apocalypse predictions of the last 50 years, because it is, you know, we're going to run out of resources, we're going to pollute over pollute the world. We're going to have catastrophic global cooling. We're going to have catastrophic global warming. It's yeah. all based on this idea of we are these parasite polluters. And that's part of why all these people who are always wrong, yeah. they still get elevated because people still have this false view of us and that our impact is inherently bad. Yeah. And my basic point is, no, our, our impact is generally very good. The earth is a deficient and dangerous place. Our impact generally makes it a better place, particularly yes. a better yeah. place That's right for us. Yeah. And it really shows a bias that you assume that our climate impact would be catastrophic. First of all, why are you even assuming it's net negative? Like there's a lot of positives to more warming. There's certainly a lot of positives of greening. Yeah. And then if you factor in all the energy we get with the warming, it's obviously overall a great deal to have a world where you have energy and machines doing all this work for us. Yeah. Uh, and it's a little warmer versus a world that's impoverished, like it's been for 
you know, a couple hundred thousand years of our species history. Like it's so obviously better. And yet yeah. again, people are fossil fuel benefit denying. That's right. So we do have a couple of questions. Uh, one was, uh, can we repeat how to share the post and what the hashtag is again? So uh, I believe the probably under a banner here, it would be the hashtag is APP Epstein. And that is uh, A-P-P-E-P-S-T-E-I-N. And you can share it on Facebook. Uh, you can also share it on any other social media. I think we're on Rumble, we're on YouTube, uh, we're on Twitter. So you can share it there too. And uh, that's why we're basically making the contest until noon on Thursday. And then we'll compile it and then we'll make the draw at six o'clock on uh, Thursday. And we're giving away the three pairs of tickets. Um, here's a question. Where do, they, where do they buy tickets if they want to get tickets? That's a very good question. They can actually go to um, Alberta Prosperity Project Events.com. Uh, that's a good one. Or you can, they could actually just go to albertaprosperityproject.com. And then I believe you have to look under events. Uh, but the, uh, albertaprosperityevents.com definitely gets you to what's going on here. I believe they even made you, made you, uh, a, a, a slash there. I think it's Alberta Prosperity Epstein is, uh, <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, I, believe I, I think, so. I guess Alberta Prosperity Events. I mean, I hope, you know, I've, yeah. I've, it's been a while since I've spoken in Calgary, Canada. I've spoken many times, but it's been a few years. So, so yeah. I think I haven't been there since post lockdown. So it's yeah. going to be yeah. very fun to see people, including yeah. hopefully some familiar. And you know, that's the well. thing that I, I, I say that about any APP event or, or any, any sort of rallies stuff that we, we go to is they're always shown on video right? You get the, the hour of whatever it is, and then that's it. But it's the before and after where you can mix and mingle. You can actually talk with other people about topics like this. And I think that is, that is not promoted enough that, yeah, it's great to see it on online, but it's even better to be there. Right. Just looking uh, a few more of these. Don asks, is oil and gas actually a fossil fuel or is it continuously created? That's a good question. It's, I don't have a definitive view on this. I've been getting this a lot lately, so mm -hmm. I may research it more. Um, yeah. I think a lot of it is at least biological in origin, just seems consistent with, you know, we have all these geologists who are studying the history and they're really good at finding fields based yeah. on that. Uh, but I don't have, my my, what I focus on is even if, like if it's continuously created in some form, you know, we have natural hydrocarbons on other planets and this kind of thing. Like if that is true, great, but we still have plenty of this stuff, yes. even if it's all biological. Yeah. And so we need to be free to use this and then be free to develop alternatives, including nuclear in yeah. the long term. That's that's my focus. Yeah. So Graham asks, do you think the leaders of the anti-fossil fuel movement actually actually believe what they preach or is it just a money-making scam, a big Ponzi scam? <laughs> I never think anything is just a money-making scam. Yeah. Yeah. I think that there are, you know, my view, I talk about this in, in chapter three of the book, is that a lot of the leaders have a deep hostility toward human life. Mm -hmm. That's really manifested in this idea that our impact is bad. You know, the whole idea of green means minimal impact. Yeah. I think it's a really anti-human idea to th to say that that a good earth is one that we impact the least. Like, why is that? I mean, that just shows you, you really have a hostility toward just our species. I call this human yeah. racism because you, yeah. you think everything the human race does is bad. 
yeah. and the rest of nature is great. So I think that's a totally wrong view, but I do think people have this, this view. And I think in the case of climate, again, that's why there's such an obsession with our climate impact being evil, even mm-hmm. though it's not that big a deal mm-hmm. and the energy that comes with it is amazingly beneficial. It's because people see it in this, it's like it's going against their religion. But whenever you have what I call, like whenever you have a more popular moral movement, which mm-hmm. this is, I, I think it's ultimately immoral, but it's it's in the category of morality. Yeah. What happens is there are all kinds of people who want power and who want money dishonestly, who will jump in because they see, hey, everyone is going in this direction. How can I get in on the racket? And that, that definitely happens as well, but I think it's secondary. Yeah. And, and of course, the big question that people often ask is, so where, you know, everyone's, all the governments are trying to go towards uh, battery and electricity and all that kind of stuff. And, and how do they make batteries and how do they make electricity? And we still need coal. We still, you can't make steel with, by burning, elect, by, by, by just electricity. I believe you actually have to smelt it. It's got to be ridiculously hot in order to, to make, uh, it, make steel. And you just can't do that through electricity, through wind turbines and all that. And how do you even make wind turbines? You, you still need that. So there's that argument that we still need um, oil and, and coal and natural gas anyways. Yeah, although I think that that's conceding a bit too much okay. to the viability of these alternatives. So mm-hmm. there's an issue of what you want. I mean, ultimately, you want something superior to fossil fuels. I mean, you want the best energy possible. And so what would be exciting is if we had alternatives that were more cost effective, at least on a smaller scale, and then you'd be excited about them. But if you're talking about solar and wind and batteries, you would recognize, oh, these require a ton of materials, challenges, how are you going to do this? But they're not even performing very well, even on a tiny scale. They need to be subsidized and mandated and given all sorts of preferences. They just provide electricity because they're unreliable. They depend on fossil fuels or the equivalent of fossil fuels. So we, I just don't grant that these are anywhere near like promising, they're not even successful supplements right now. Yeah, yeah. And to talk about replacing fossil fuels, you always have to remember the world needs far more energy. So yeah. what we wanna be having is energy additions of yeah. fossil fuels and other things. The idea of getting rid of fossil fuels, if you really value energy should be viewed yeah. as crazy unless you have some magical alternative that clearly doesn't exist right now. Yeah. You know, I like the idea of electric cars uh, in certain processes. I like the idea of possibly doing electric uh, trucks for moving equipment. Um, now here in Canada, uh, Air Canada has uh, has hopped on and bought a bunch of electric planes that, uh, again, have a very limited amount. Are they flying a lot of passengers in those planes? Well, I don't even think they're built yet. But, I mean, they, they ended up going through the purchase. And, again, it would be a limiting uh, – it might only be able to fly, say, 250 miles, which really – does it, yeah, I guess it does. That's that's yeah. very charitable. I know. Yeah. <laughs> Depending on how many people. I mean, there's a solar plane that that cost, I think, $100 million and flew one person before it was grounded. Yeah, that's right, too. So there there are challenges for sure, right? And and I think, I really do think that... I mean, challenges, it's just these are, ma- these are fake. So, so the thing is, we're talking about getting rid of the energy that works in a world yeah. that needs far more based on like these currently crackpot ideas, like electric planes, it makes, I mean, there's batteries are so heavy in terms of storing energy. So I just, it's one thing to say I'm in favor of freedom and I encourage alternatives and certainly like passenger EVs have some advantages and that's great. They should be free to compete. But the idea of forcing us to not use fossil fuels 
mm-hmm. and then forcing these totally unproven and currently in many ways inferior alternatives, Absolutely. that is not a legitimate idea. So, so don't, I don't equate, don't equate like experimenting with something yeah. with forcing it on us. Yes. And that, that often gets equated and they act like they're enthusiastic, whereas yeah. really they're just coercing us. Yeah, that's true too. Well, you know what? I, it's, it's eight o'clock here. It's seven o'clock for you. And I know, uh, we uh, we definitely value your time, so I'm just going to do the quick little uh, wrap up here. That uh, uh, they you're coming to Calgary and speaking at the Western Calgary Airport on Friday, October 28th. Uh, tickets are fifty dollars right now, and they can buy the tickets up until the uh, 24th at midnight, I believe. So basically, a few days before. I've lost my page here. There we go. And uh, and you can also uh, purchase the tickets at albertaprosperityevents.com. And uh, um, I know there's a couple of little posters up on the Alberta Prosperity website. Uh, and it says there's a mix and mingle with beef and beer. So I hope you like Alberta beef and I hope you like beer. <laughs> I like the, I like I like the beef part of it. I like other drinks more. Than beer, I, I'm pretty sure there'll be more than that too. So, and then uh, Alex is speaking for at seven o'clock, and then there's a question and answer at eight. And uh, yeah, so we're we're excited about having you here. And uh, I don't know if you want to make any closing uh, closing remarks. Uh, to- I just, it'd be fun to see a lot of people there. And I would just say. Um, if you can't make it for some reason, still highly recommend checking out the book, Fossil Future. It's Absolutely. big. It's got all the arguments yeah. you need. Yeah. And then uh, the best free resource I have is called energytalkingpoints.com. And I think think Canadians who are for energy will find it very, very useful because we have talking points with references on any issue you can Excellent. imagine. And what's your social media stuff? Where do you, uh, my where- main one is on Twitter. I'm at Alex Epstein. I'm also on okay. Instagram at, at Alex Epstein Energy. Those are the, okay. the two ones. But But Twitter is kind of where I... I, I go the most. Okay, perfect. Good. And so one more one more just plug for our contest is uh, please share this and share it on uh, whatever social media with the hashtag APP Epstein. Uh, that's A-P-P-E-P-S-T-E-I-N. And uh, that way we can track what's going on. And uh, on behalf of APP, I'd really like to say thank you so much for taking the time and being able to promote this and uh, definitely looking forward to Sharing some beef with you on Friday. All right. Sounds sounds good. Thank you very much. Okay. Cheers. All right. Bye-bye.